You never forget the first time you find a woman's vibrator. My brother Chad and I were rummaging around our pal Danny's treehouse-like cottage he shared with his single mom. I was 13. My brother and his friend were around nine. I had taken to co-opting my brother's friends in those early days after our arrival in Malibu because 13-year-olds thought the boys who wanted to act were probably queer, but nine-year-olds had no such judgments about my career aspirations. Chad and I had always been close, bonded by a tumultuous cross-country uprooting and the divorce that instigated it, and if he resented my glomming onto his friends, he never showed it. Chad, Danny, and I spent our free time attempting to shoot the hill on Larkspur Lane on our skateboards and hiding perishable items among the shelves of our local market to monitor them as they rotted and began to stink. Danny's mom worked at the checkout counter, and every boy I knew had a confused, early adolescent, dim-witted crush on her. With her sandy hair, light eyes, and girlish body, it was often hard to reconcile her hippy-dippy, surfer-babe looks with the fact that she was our buddy's mother. Long before the term had been invented, she was the original MILF. One day, sitting on her waterbed with its leopard print sheets, watching Gilligan's Island on a tiny black-and-white TV, I had rolled over onto a strange, white, missile-shaped device. It began to buzz and vibrate. I began to examine the mysterious obelisk closely. I don't think any of the three of us knew what it was, but between the location in which it was found, its shape, and the sickly expression on Danny's face, there was an unspoken consensus to investigate no further. I daintily hid the thing back under the sheets where I'd found it, and we never spoke of the incident. Lesson. Sometimes it's best to just move on. Like so many in the post-Woodstock, pre-AIDS, ERA, and EST-driven era of mid-70s Malibu, Danny's mom was no stranger to countercultural mores. After school one day, as the three of us sat eating her homemade avocado pie, she asked my nine-year-old brother if he wanted to be smoked out. Chad looked at me with what today would be called a WTF look, having no idea what was being offered to him. We knew that Danny was a cannabis early adopter, but Chad and I were still sons of the Midwest. We were petrified of drugs. So far. We were in the minority. If there's one thing that a newly transplanted misfit teen doesn't want to be, it's that. Standing on the outside of a peer circle. So, after observing the popular kids whipping out their bongs and pipes after a tough day at woodshop or madrigals, I knew what I had to do to ingratiate myself to my fellow 13-year-olds. I hopped on the bus to Malibu's only record store for a little shopping spree. I always liked riding the bus. Because I rode them frequently into Hollywood for my auditions, I knew most of the drivers by name. I particularly liked the ones who let my friends and me hang upside down like monkeys from the overhead safety bars, swinging wildly as we sped down the Pacific Coast Highway. At the record shop, standing in front of the glass case containing the various dope-smoking accoutrements, I decided on a tiny, pocket-sized wooden pop pipe, mostly because it looked like one of Captain Kirk's phasers from Star Trek. And, in truth, over the coming weeks, I got more use of it as a toy, running through the sage-scented gullies and swales of the Malibu Hills, pretending to be shooting Klingons, than I did using it for its intended purpose. Because my dark secret was that I hated pot. My prop pipe did the trick, 
and I didn't have to smoke at the bus stop in the morning to be cool. I would pull it out of my pocket and brandish it like I was Bob Marley, and eventually the other kids would be too stoned to notice that I never actually used it. I suppose it was an early bit of acting on my part, and it got results. Presenting a facade would become a tool that I would use to cope with the necessity of fitting in, to poor effect, up until my mid-twenties. Malibu, in the mid to late 70s, was a breeding ground for many artists who would shape the next decade. There were other young actors to come out of that time and place, and I think it had a lot to do with being surrounded by an unrelenting fusillade of characters and quacks. This may have been the reason why my mother chose Malibu as our new home in the first place. An expatriate from the land of Midwestern Eisenhower Country Club values, she flourished among the experimental ideas she now found everywhere she turned.